Welcome to another episode of the Viato Podcast Retail Revival Series. I'm Randy Kobat with Cox Automotive, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. My guest for today's podcast is Dan Garwatowski, sales manager for Nissan North in Columbus, Ohio. Dan and his team retail about 70 new cars and 150 used cars every month. Their sales volume has remained consistent through the COVID-19 pandemic, thanks to a keen focus on two things. But we think there's two things that make us successful. We think it's people and processes. If we can get the right people in the right places and have the processes to make sure they're successful, then I think we can't miss. Dan's a big believer in making decisions based on market data. He especially likes how Provision Profit Time gives him the insights he needs to make the most with every vehicle, no matter which way the market moves. So as the, as the market expands and contracts, and it doesn't matter which way the market goes, it just lets you know exactly where you need to be on every car in your inventory so you can sell it the fastest and retain the most available profit. Like many dealers, Dan and his team have really embraced digital retailing and have a much better understanding of what it takes to earn business from consumers who want at least part of the purchase process to occur outside the dealership. I think the biggest you know, lesson that I've learned through this is you just have to be consistent and transparent and follow up like no other. I mean, you really have to give the customer what they're looking for really, really quickly, really, really transparently so they trust you. And once you've built that trust, then you can work through the rest of your car deal. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Let's go to my conversation with Dan. Dan Garwatoski of Nissan North in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to our podcast. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that we like to do when we start one of these podcasts is just kind of level set and give our listeners a bit of a background on your store. So, you know, what's your typical new and used volume uh, for like, let's say the current couple of months and how does the business you're doing today compare to where you were kind of last year at this time? So we're a standalone Nissan franchise, you know, just outside of the Columbus Metro and we do about 70 new cars a month and 150 used cars a month. Mm -hmm. And we think that's pretty consistent with our year over year numbers. I mean, obviously the last few months have had some challenges and some positive spots. And we think the next three or four months are going to also present some challenges, but also uh, present some opportunities. So um, we really, really focus on consistency. And, you know, through the pandemic, we've fortunately been able to be pretty consistent holding on to that 70 new car and 150, you know, used car number. That's great. Um, I noticed on your website that your store won Nissan's award of excellence. So uh, excellence. So first off, congratulations on that. That's quite an honor. Um, and second, what might be some of the specific things you're doing that put you among the top 10% of Nissan dealers in the country? And we were super excited, uh, Randy, to win that award again this year. It's something that we strive for year in and year out. To be in the top 10% is not an easy feat, mm -hmm. but we think there's two things that make us successful. We think it's people and processes. If we can get the right people in the right places and have the processes to make sure they're successful, then I think we can't miss. I mean, we really, really focus on you know the people in the right places and the processes. Um, and specifically, it's evaluating every, you know, every month, 
that we have the right managers in the right seats so that they can be successful. And then the sales consultants, which is our frontline in sales and our service advisors in service, make sure that they have all the tools and processes they need to be successful. That's great. So, you know, I find one of the things that you mentioned really interesting because one of the challenges many of our clients have on the new car side is just getting supply of inventory from the OEMs. Um, so how have you been able to kind of maintain your sales and have you seen challenges in trying to get cars from Nissan specifically? Yeah, we're, we're a pretty bullish store. We carry um, a lot of inventory on, um, on the new car side which when there is a slow in production, it really plays into our hand. We, we always have the right cars, you know, the right interior trims, the right exterior colors, the right packages. Um, we really do a good job of making sure that we optimize our inventory. And then when there's a slight downturn in production, we're able to capitalize on the market. Um, we are also um, cognizant of where we are with our inventory. So we do um, dealer trade out of our inventory uh, quite frequently as well. So we don't, you know, just hold a bunch of cars. We want to make sure those cars are consistently moving. Mm -hmm. And our pricing model is, is to move even aged inventory and new cars. We don't want to hold on to any car any longer than we have to. So we have a really strong fundamental pricing philosophy on aging new cars as well as used cars. Mm -hmm. And then balancing that with carrying as many cars as we can handle on our lot. So that way we're flexible no matter what the manufacturer might do with a particular incentive or model shift or, or whatever the case may be. That's great. And, and that goes back to the processes that you mentioned that help you win Nissan's award of excellence. That's great. You are among the early dealers who shifted to provision profit time with us at Viato with the investment based management philosophy. Um, how did profit time help you or your team get through the past few months? Um, you know, retail sales on the used side and the new side have been really strong. So how do you think that made a difference in your business? So what we love about profit time is we love the science of the automotive business. Like we're really into all of the science and the data that goes into all the information that provision and profit time provide to the, to the dealer. It makes us as a standalone Nissan dealer you know, kind of have a level playing field with some of the biggest dealers in our, you know, in our DMA. So it really has such an, a, a profound impact because as the market would contract with supply and demand would increase, your cars will move up through those precious metals. So where you're carrying maybe 25% bronze cars pre-pandemic, you know, right after April and into May and June, when car when the when the business really started to rebound, you could see your cars travel through the bronze all the way up through the platinum. And then that conversation is different with the consumer because they know that the cars that you hold are in high demand and in low supply. And that helps you with your pricing, you know, hold firm and, and capture as much gross as possible. That's great. So little inside baseball. <laughs> so the bronze cars that you mentioned, those are cars where you don't necessarily have a lot of profit potential in them. That's correct, right? That's right. That's exactly right. So um, bronze cars, you need to move out as fast as possible because your profit potential is, is the lowest of all the cars that you're going to own. 
So as the, as the market expands and contracts, and it doesn't matter which way the market goes, it just lets you know exactly where you need to be on every car in your inventory so you can sell it the fastest and retain the most available profit. And so, interestingly, you said you saw bronze cars as you managed through the fluctuations in market supply and demand change categories and actually became potentially higher profit potential cars? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that when, you know, when supply, you know, essentially dried up for, for all of us dealers and the demand was, was so high, it was hard for us to keep up, that those cars, the market they supply went down. And as the wholesale market went up, you own the cars, you know, better to the market. So that gives you more and more profit potential as they go. And you can literally see them travel from bronze or silver into gold or platinum cars where you can reprice those cars and adjust to the market on the fly and capture that additional profit as, as the market is heating up. So that's really interesting. And that is really different than our traditional way of thinking with velocity. As a car ages, you might lower the price to get it more recognized online and try to move it faster. You actually, through profit time, had the opportunity to kind of turn that on its head, if you will, and actually raise prices on some cars as they became more profitable from a potential perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there is no doubt that uh, the vast majority of our cars, when we're making price changes every day, over the last 90 days, it was an exception to lower a price. And it was more the rule to raise the price because there was such a supply deficit and such a, such a great demand. That's great. Awesome. Thank you so much for your feedback. I think this is one of the things that um, really is helping a lot of our clients like you be really successful throughout the pandemic. And as market uh, dynamics have changed, and the way that you explained that, it was really, really helpful, I think, for our audience. So thank you very much. Um, sure. in, a, in a conversation that we had as we prepared for this podcast, you actually mentioned, though, that you wholesaled some of the vehicles, even though Profit Time classified them as having pretty high profit potential, maybe gold or platinum. And you made money on them through wholesaling. So... You know, I know the traditional Viato approach is we want to be retail first, and I know you guys adhere to that. So what were the circumstances that led you to decide that you'd wholesale the vehicles rather than retail them? So we have uh, monthly managers meetings, I imagine, like most of your clients. And we just, you know, we're sitting down around a giant, you know, conference room table looking at our used car inventory. And, you know, I think Dale even mentioned in his last podcast how, you know, the gap between wholesale prices and retail prices were starting to contract. So there was almost very little difference between what you could expect um, to get for a car retail and what you could expect to get for it wholesale. So we had, you know, we highlighted, you know, 15 or so cars that had really, really strong MMR numbers compared to where we own them. And these are cars that we purchased in May. So they were going to be 90 days old. Sure. And we just made a calculated decision that if we could list them with a, with a wholesale source where we didn't have to take them off the lot and we use Mannheim Express, um, where we didn't have to take them off the lot, we could still try to retail these high profit potential cars. But at the same time, if there was another dealer out there that wanted to pay retail for the cars that fit their business model, then we were certainly open to selling them to other dealers and then taking the profit. 
And it was kind of something that I've never experienced, you know, in my 20 plus years in the car business is that you can sell a car for the same money retail as you can wholesale and it's 90 days old. And it just seemed like it was too good to be true. And it probably wasn't going to work. So we all agreed as managers, let's give it a try on these 15 cars and see what happens. And without exception, I mean, we sold a couple of them retail, uh, you know, as they were on the wholesale market. Yep. But without exception, we made significant gross on these 90-day-old units um, that other dealers were willing to pay super, super close to retail for because their lots were almost empty. And that's, that's what they felt they had to do for their business plan. And then we were the benefactors of that. Yeah, it's really been a fascinating time, to your point, as we've been watching the science of our industry and the economics of our industry, the way that you describe that with retail and MMR being virtually the same. Um, right. So it made sense because fresh inventory on your lot, you know, actually is a, is an attractive thing. You might attract new c consumers that might have, you know, not not been interested in some of the other cars that you had that you were able to wholesale out. Yeah. And we knew if we, if we just held on, cause you know, um, you know, we saw lots of our facing dealers really buying cars that we felt like there's no way that you can, you can buy wholesale cars in this market right now, just for the simple purpose of filling blacktop. And it got pretty thin on our lot too, but we knew that yeah. if we just stayed the course, stuck to what we know was right, you know, maybe pay a little bit more than what we're comfortable with, but not so outrageous that we're approaching retail that we, we could weather the storm and, and really put ourselves in an advantageous position today. That's great. You mentioned Mannheim Express. Um, how did you use that to complement your retail first strategy? So we've, we've used all the wholesale platforms, you know, in the past from Odessa to, you know, smart auction. And, and when Mannheim Express approached us and said, look, we're going to, this is a little bit different. We do 360 photos. We do all your CRs. Uh, we only charge a hundred bucks if you sell it. It really became, you know, something that we had to try because wholesale, you know, like we are retail first, but wholesale is part of our business plan. Sure. And it just seemed like that's just the easiest fit for us. You know, the integration with provision where you can click a box on any car and your Mannheim Express rep will show up. He'll do the 360. He'll do the CR. He'll even help you get the car posted if you want. And then you're off and running and you can still have that retail first mindset because the car never leaves the lot. And then the purchasing dealer just comes and picks it up from you. So you don't even have to transport it to a Mannheim auction. So it's really worked out well for us especially in this, you know, climate of escalating, you know, auction fees, it mm -hmm. really, really helps when it's only a hundred bucks and they do most of the work. All you have to do is hand them the keys and they take care of the rest. That's great. You know, so let's, let's dig a little bit more into the, the wholesale market that you mentioned. It seems to be cooling off a bit right now, but prices are still a bit steep. Um, supplies are like you mentioned, lower than normal. So, how do you think about it? What's your strategy as you've gone to auction to try to buy some vehicles? So the most important thing that we did is we took our provision performance consultant and our um, Stockwave uh, consultant, mm -hmm. and we got them both together on the same calls every couple weeks. And that way we could leverage all of the experience of our Stockwave consultant with helping us find the right cars and tweaking our business plans and working with our, you know, our performance manager to say, these are, you know, look at your strategy page and help us flex and 
you know, just make sure that we're getting the most out of the software that we have. And that's really been so beneficial that the two of those gentlemen really helped us kind of mold our business plans and our retail exit strategies to make some really, really good headway and not really going like outside of our normal box of what we like to pay for a car mm -hmm. as it pertains to the market. Just really trying to find creative ways to find more cars that maybe we never looked at before. And that combination, you know, has set our inventory up for what we think is pretty, a pretty exciting fourth quarter. Um, but I think that's the most important thing we did. Cause I think wholesale prices, like you mentioned, they are, they are coming down but a nice car is still going to bring all the money. Yeah. So you just have to look every single day at every single car that you can. The the other side of the equation, if you will, from an acquisition perspective, you mentioned a little bit about it, but have you adjusted your appraisal process to make sure you're trying to maximize every trade-in opportunity? Uh, so uh, honestly, Randy, we, we, we feel like, and we're not perfect, and we can certainly have room for improvement, but we feel like our trade process is is pretty strong. We're not near the 60%, you know, kind of top, top, top of all dealers that take in on trade, uh, take trades in, but we're in the 50 to 55% range of acquiring trade-ins. So we think that's a pretty fair, um, a pretty fair number. And we, and we, and we do not miss any trade. I mean, we have, if, so if a customer has a trade-in, you know, we always get a second eye on every single car to make sure we don't miss anything, but we didn't really change anything. That's great. Yeah, good process and good people, regardless of the situation, still have good <laughs> results, right? <laughs> exactly right, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of dealers through this uh, podcast series, and it's been really great to hear from all of you and learn from all of you. Um, and, you know, obviously one of the things that's really kind of come to the forefront is digital retailing and the things that we've learned about digital retailing through the last few months. Um, what might you list as the one or two kind of digital retailing lessons that really has stuck for you guys? So what we learned early on in the pandemic is that I think, it, and, and I think it actually existed before maybe people have a, a thirst for information and I think some dealers in the past, we've kind of tried to hold all the information to our vest to try to get the customer to move and interact with us first. So, you know, maybe they'll ask for a price quote and we say, well, can you come in? Instead of what we do now, and I think the biggest, you know, lesson that I've learned through this is you just have to be consistent and transparent and follow up like no other. I mean, you really have to give the customer what they're looking for really, really quickly really, really transparently so they trust you. And once you've built that trust, then you can work through the rest of your car deal. I think that's the most important thing. So transparency, consistency, and then you have to follow up because those customers, they do want price quotes, but maybe they're getting it from three or four dealers and they don't remember which dealer is which. And that's why it's so important that we keep, we keep after them. And in Ohio, where you are, you might have had some contactless deliveries earlier, you know, this year. Do you still see the same amount of that kind of process or people more comfortable coming to the store now? What are you experiencing? Yeah, I think people are definitely in Columbus, definitely more comfortable today than they were two or three months ago. But I think through all of this, we're selling more cars out of our DMA than we ever have before. Oh, wow. Like I think I think customers are super comfortable with 
whether it's Instacart from Costco or, you know, having their Whole Foods order delivered, that it just makes sense that it's a bigger scale. But if the car's right and the dealer's willing to work with them, they might as well just have a car delivered the same way. So I think I think that's, that's you know, a takeaway that we're not going to forget from the pandemic of 2020 is that we can deliver a car anywhere in the country, you know, reasonably efficiently and still make money, which is what's really important is that we can make customers happy everywhere. We'd like to keep most of the cars local so we can service them, but um, we can always get more cars. It's tough to find more customers. Yeah. How far away was the furthest customer? You know, I, I, the furthest we sent a car was California and it took wow. a long time, you know, to put all of that together. But, you know, the customer wanted a specific car. We owned it and you know, we shipped it out there and everything, everything worked out really well for them. They're super excited, gave us a great Google review and, um, we couldn't be happier for them. That's right. If you have the right inventory, the consumer will find it regardless of where you are. The car is always the star, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. So you mentioned you're set up well for fourth quarter. Uh, so what's next for you guys? What are you planning to do to make sure you finish 2020 on a high note? So we're, we're super bullish. We're, we're counting on, um, another round of stimulus. And I think, um, once, once we can stabilize the unemployment market, get some more money in some more folks pockets, I think the used car market is going to, you know, accelerate even further. We've kind of felt it cool off a little the last few weeks, but I think the fourth quarter it's going to accelerate. And, um, once we get through, you know, through the election, I really think that, um, you know, the fourth quarter is going to be one that we're going to look back on and say, wow, we really made some smart decisions and acquired some cars smartly. And we're able to retail those, um, in a profitable manner and, and, and really look back and say, wow, that was an amazing, challenging, complicated 2020. But, um, I think that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah. I, I can't agree with you more. And, and Dan, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, it's it's been really a, a great opportunity to hear from you and how you're doing things to really help grow the business and uh, stand out there in the Columbus market. So thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. Have a great day. And my thanks to all of you for listening to today's Dealer Voices conversation. Please share this podcast with any of your friends that you think could benefit from hearing these insights. Stay tuned for our next podcast episode, and thank you for joining us today. We'll see you very soon.